Welcome everyone to this episode of Shana Broad. Today we have with us Raffaele Gaito and we're going to speak about an interesting topic on how to interpret, view, experience, but also embrace failure at work and in our personal professional life, personal slash professional life. Um, and we're also going to speak about the book that recently Raffaele released with Amazon and how to use patience in our daily life, but also on a long-term basis. Welcome, Raffaele. <laughs> Hi, Adele. Hi, everyone. And thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I would like to ask you to introduce yourself and what you do. So uh, my name is Raffaele Gaito. I call myself uh, a growth coach. So what I do is basically I, I work with this, you know, with this approach slash methodology uh, called growth hacking or growth marketing. Some people call it growth hacking. Someone call it uh, growth marketing. It, it is an approach that was born like uh, 10 years ago, maybe something like that in the US, in Silicon Valley. And I was one of the first people to work with it in, in, in Italy. I was pretty, pretty lucky to find growth hacking on my way. Uh, let's say that uh, I'm in love with the idea of, you know, experimenting both in personal life and professional life. So growth hacking is about that. Uh, it's about experimenting before it's too late, uh, you know. Uh, and if you want to grow your, you know, your, your, your business, your company, the only thing that you need to do is basically run experiments all the time. And that's what I do. So basically, I'm a coach, uh, a teacher, and also a, cons a consultant. I work with companies, both uh, startups, uh, SMEs, and also corporates, uh, big companies. And I try to help them, you know, to, to create a process around that. So a process that they can use to innovate and, you know, and grow the business through experiments and basically working with data. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> you mentioned that you are one of the very first people from Italy experimenting grow hacking and but in my understanding you don't live in Italy. Can you tell yeah. us where are you at the moment and what was behind your decision to move abroad? Uh, yeah, well, I'm Italian, but I live in London. I've been living here uh, since uh, March 2020. So it's about uh, one year and a half. But before London, I was living in Cambridge. Uh, I mean, still in the UK, but in Cambridge. And I was there for about uh, probably four or five years. I don't remember exactly. I've been abroad, uh, you know, quite a long time. And before that, I've lived uh, in, you know, in Amsterdam. I'm lived in San Francisco. Uh, I always love to spend part of my time, part of my life, uh, you know, somewhere else outside Italy. Because I love the idea of when you can, you know, uh, share with the different cultures and you can understand how things work outside your, your own country. Uh, I don't know. I think it helps us to, 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 to grow and to become better person and also better entrepreneur, you know, or professional or, or coaches on, on what else. I moved here in the UK actually because of my wife. I mean, I can work, you know, just with a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection. So it was pretty easy actually for me to move here. And then she moved, you know, from Cambridge to London because of the work. And I followed there in here in, in London. So that's the reason. In this case, it's, you know, not for, uh, let's say, not for business. It's just for, for love. Uh, the main reason, actually. And uh, but once I'm, I was here, you know, London is, uh, we could say, the place to be in, in Europe uh, for the topics that uh, I work with. So, you know, innovation, business, uh, digital marketing, this kind of stuff. Wow, so, so interesting. I didn't know that you moved for love. I, I did the same. I, was, I moved to London for my partner, the English. 
And I remember the very first thing that I did was I need to fall in love with the city. So I was trying to find my own place, my own bakery, my own cafe where to work from, my gym, all my rituals to make sure that I was not just an expat, but was making the place a be home. Yeah, building habits. I think that's an important part uh, of your life when you live abroad, that you can actually feel, uh, you know, the new country and the new city as a home. So that's, yeah, that's pretty important, actually. Yeah, it is. Also, not comparing. So where are you from? Where are you now? The food or the or the weather or how the people behave is more about like learning what could I get from these people so different from me? Yeah. And what do I need to let go? Because I don't know how was your experience, but through my experience in living in UK, in different parts of Italy and also in Austria, I learned that some aspect of myself and my culture are not so useful. So I prefer it yeah. just to let it go. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean. And uh, I think also, you know, uh, we Italians are super great on, you know, complaining all the time. <laughs> I have a lot of friends here, you know, expats, friends, friends always talking about, you know, the shitty food, the shitty weather. There's always something wrong all the time. I try to have a different approach. So the idea is, you know, I'm in a different place. I want to learn everything I can from you know from local people from you know local culture from local business from everything you know music theater uh, i don't know food and and everything everything i think I, I, that's why i say that traveling is the best way to to grow uh, as a person and also as a for me as an entrepreneur the idea of you know talking with people that they are so different from me and and we can you know we can uh, interact and exchange information about everything and you understand that when you spend a lot of time outside your your own country you understand that there are you know places around the world things are just different and that's the beauty of it i think that's the that's the best part actually yes absolutely today we are going to speak together about failure then know this is a topic that you feel particularly connected with um would like to give your interpretation of what failure is and what are the key approaches that we can use toward failure? Uh, yeah, I love the topic. I, I really, really, really love the topic. So basically, when I, I mean, when I grew up uh, in Italy, uh, we see failure as, you know, it's like it's the worst thing ever. If you fail, yeah, it's going to be forever. You know, uh, it's like it's like it's going to be forever. It's like the worst thing that can happen to a, to a person. I don't know. It's, I think it's still, a, you know, a taboo. Also talking about it, it's pretty difficult, pretty hard. No one, no one wants to talk about it. It's really, really hard, especially in my field. You know, entrepreneurs and you know managers and professionals. They feel it's okay. It's the worst. On the other side, I remember you know growing up all the stories from Silicon Valley. So these uh, cool entrepreneurs, they they were talking about failure like it was the best part of their life. And that was also pretty extreme. I mean, okay, I, I can understand that uh, it's not something really bad, but there were people saying, oh, you have to fail. You have to fail a lot. Put your failure on your CV. Talk about it, you know, always talking about it like, you know, this is the best moment of my life. So I always thought they were pretty extreme, actually, both of them. So during the last years, I tried to, to find, let's say, a, a balance somewhere in the middle. And the idea that I have today of failure is that actually failing is learning. That's my idea. That's the important, you know, change of mindset that I did a few years ago. I realized at some point that it's just part of the process. That's it. 
I mean, it means that at a certain point you have to fail. I mean, everyone does. Uh, you know, if you see any important person, I don't know, uh, entrepreneurs or, you know, writers or, I don't know, uh, football players, uh, singers, anyone, they have a huge success right now. But if you see the whole process behind the success, it's full of, you know, a lot of failure all the time. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty normal. That's, that's the thing. That's why today I can say, okay, so I understand this is part of the process. I have to fail. But how? If you understand that failing is actually, you know, learning and the only way to grow is learning, you realize it's pretty easy, actually. You realize that the only way to grow is if you fail. That's it. And it's pretty powerful, actually. You know, it's pretty simple as, a, as an idea, but it's pretty powerful. If I fail, I learn. If I learn, I grow. So it means that if I fail, I grow as a person and also as an entrepreneur. So that's why today I can, you know, Uh, have a relationship, let's say that, with, with failure, that it's pretty different from five years ago or 10 years ago, the, the, you know, the old version of, of me as, a, as an entrepreneur. So today, every time I have a, a failure in my life, a small one or even a big one, what I do, and that's an important trick, uh, I think, it's uh, you know, have a moment to uh, analyze what happened. It's not only about, you know, oh, shit, today uh, it, went, it was really wrong. I don't know. I, I failed with a client. You know, I failed with a project or something like that. I try, you know, with paper and a pen, I try to say, okay, I love journaling. So I try to say, okay, what did I do wrong? You know, why there was a bad decision? Why there was, I don't know, uh, someone screaming during a meeting? Uh, why there was, you know, that cold email or, you know, did something wrong and something like that? I try to understand what was wrong in the process and how I can make that better, you know, next time. If you do that, you can actually, you know, transform any failure moment in a growing moment. Absolutely. I fully agree. I think that is also about what you do next. I work as an expert coach, and why we're doing the Shana Broad podcast, but as well, I work in the healthcare sector as an improvement coach, so I help teams work together better. That's the purpose. And trying to have like a shared goal, trying to have like a team spirit where blaming is not part of the picture. And blame and failure are so well connected. So if you remove one, failure disappears because failure is defined by the blaming culture. It's the name for that situation. And one thing that I always say to my team and the people that I manage is like, you need to fail with grace. You fail because you, you had some assumption that in that way you would do well. Actually, it didn't work out. And you come with, with me with what assumption information we don't know we don't need to use anymore what we learned. So you come with me with double results rather than just, just complete the task and complete what you're doing on the project. And I think is is about what you do next because if you next, you live with the fear that you're going to make a mistake again, you somehow you're stuck. <laughs> yeah. Because you, yeah. Live, you are defined by the failure rather than be empowered by that. Yeah. And say yeah. like, okay, so next time with the new information, I can do this in a different way. I totally, I totally agree with you. Uh, I say something similar to, uh, you know, my clients and also my students. I say, I don't believe in wrong decisions. I believe in wrong processes. So if you did something wrong, don't blame the decision. Oh, today I did a really bad decision. Try to understand what was wrong in the process. That's how you learn and you become, you know, a better person and you improve the process next time. It's not about the decision. The decision is just the final part of the whole, of the whole thing, you know, just the, the top of the iceberg. It's actually in the process. It's always in the process. 
how do you help your clients to leave failure from a different perspective? And also, <laughs> how do you help them not to hide it? Because what I notice is that many, not many times, perhaps often, people associate the failure with their identity. So therefore, saying that they fail means like challenging their own identity rather than the failure associated to the specific process, as you said, or decision. Uh, that's probably the hardest part, actually. And now that I think about it, it's the hardest part. There are probably several things that help me in this process. One, I try to you know, lead by example. So it means that I share with them. I always share with them uh, when I do something wrong. Uh, I do this also on my YouTube channel, my blog. I, I mean, when I create content, I try to talk about my successes, but also about my, you know, my failures. And I do that also with my clients and with my students. So they can really, you know, feel the difference. They say, okay, so if Rafael talks about it, it's, it's okay, I can talk about it. We try to never, 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 never point fingers. That also helps. It's related to what you were saying before. So if you did something wrong, you know, it's not your fault. You are not going to, you know, we don't blame you. We actually move the focus on the process and we try to analyze the process. And we say, okay, uh, Marco did something wrong, but why? You know, what happened? Uh, where was the information? Why he got the wrong information? Who put the information, uh, you know, in the email or in the software? Or uh, why you didn't share the information with the team? and so on and so forth. So it's always try to move the focus from the person to the process so that we can improve it and work and work on it. So I think both helps, but you just need time. Most of the time, you know, with some clients, you just need to iterate and iterate and iterate and iterate uh, until they feel safe. I think it's about that, uh, right? It's about feeling safe. I can share with you uh, that I did something really wrong yesterday if I feel safe on, you know, on sharing the information with you. Yeah, not feeling judged because yeah. that's the thing as well. What are the reasons that make you choose this career? Because you said that somehow happened to you, grow hacking appeared in your life. <laughs> <laughs> how did you find it and how the part of living abroad helped this career? Well, it was not a mystical moment. I mean, I was studying. I've always been an entrepreneur since I was 20, probably. I was studying, you know, uh, a lot of books from American gurus and from the US, so about business and, you know, and, and, and marketing and, you know, innovation and communication, those topics. And one day I, I remember I found this book that was actually the first book about the growth hacking, the first one ever by Ryan Holiday. And for me, it was really, it was just, I don't know, it was just you know, when you say, okay, this is the right moment, you know, the right book in the right moment. So that was the, the feeling that day, because there was this guy talking for the first time about marketing, but also talking about uh, doing experiments. So it was really pragmatic, I would say, you know, uh, looking at the data. So it was not like you, sometimes you read these books and there are, you know, experts or gurus say, okay, you have to trust me. This is how you do and he was a completely different approach. So he was saying, don't trust me. Just, you know, try different things, see what works and invest on them. And the idea for me was, you know, just mind blowing. I said, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. It makes sense. That's what I want to do. You know, I don't want to follow any gurus or, you know, uh, tips and tricks for any experts out there. I just want to try things with my own hands, analyze the data and then, you know, make a decision and say, OK, this is not going to work. This is working. So let's, you know, double down on, on this one. So that's why I, I choose to, to use growth hacking because I needed for me, for my projects as an entrepreneur, 
And then I also started to create content. So, you know, uh, YouTube, podcasts, books, talks, videos, and, and a lot of stuff out there. So today, that's, that's basically my life, both as a, an entrepreneur, as a coach, and also as a, as a teacher. I also teach, you know, I consult companies on, on, on the topic. But it was mostly, it was a need, I would say. So the starting point was a personal need. So I needed something for my business, and I found growth hacking on my, you know, on my, on my path. Wow, that's very interesting. So like, you experienced the solution, so decide to give the same solution to others. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's it. What did you learn about yourself while living abroad? And with this, I mean, you know, you work with people from everywhere, no? So I assume that each time you might need to approach things in a different way. Like, how how do you do so? And what did you learn about you as individual? I remember since I I was uh, since I was in Erasmus during the Erasmus program in the university that was actually my first you know big trip outside Italy you know actually living abroad for for a while and not just you know for a couple of weeks of, of vacation just living abroad alone that was the first time I realized that being in a different country was important to grow as a person and as a student and the time I mean, I was a, still a student, so it was growing as a person and also as a student. But I realized that because I went in a, you know, a different place, it was pretty different, actually, because it was in Iceland. So, you know, up north uh, in Reykjavik, the, the first impact was about, you know, traditions and, and, you know, seeing people doing stuff in a really different way from me. I mean, the way uh, the food you eat, the music you listen, things you do in the weekend, the books you read, the stuff you watch on TV, everything, everything was so different. And it was different, but in a good way. So that's when you realize, oh, shit, actually, there are people that use, you know, pasta in a different way. Uh, Oh, there are people that, you know, don't eat pasta every day of the week, you know, every week of the year. Oh, there are people that, you know, pray in a different way. Uh, sung in a different way I don't know dance in a different way and you name it and then that's when you realize you know why it's great to stay touch with people that are so different from you so it was like you know I was like okay I'm gonna do this forever Uh, I want to travel I want to learn from others I want to realize what I can improve you know from my point of view from my experience and you also realize that you are not, you know, you and your country, uh, you are not the best one in everything. And most of the time, we as Italian, we think, oh, we are so cool because of, you know, food and, you know, and, and weather and, I don't know, design and fashion. We always say that all the time, but that's not true. Or, or actually, there are also other important things that you can, you know, uh, understand during, during your path. So probably the, the most important thing I realized is that I know nothing. I still know nothing. And when you're a kid and when you never left your country or your, your city, you think that you know a lot, you know, about life and about stuff like that. But you actually know nothing. That's very really the most important thing. And this is important both as a person and also as an entrepreneur. I mean, especially if you want to have like, uh, if you do experiments in your job, you have to have this idea. Okay, I know nothing about it. We have to try, see the results and, you know, take a decision. So that was pretty important for me. So you know nothing was a big lesson learned for you. Yes. As a person, that that's what you want to do moving forward. So yeah. living abroad, they keep learning from others. For those who would like to have a similar career path as a grow hacker, yeah. because I need to be honest, I'm not even sure that everyone listening to this podcast know what it is, a grow <laughs> hacker, after like, uh, hacking, like after your definition. So 
for people who like to, you know, implement a life where experiment, piloting, data, evidence, uh, this idea of like keep challenging, a, a, iterating yourself and the project and the things you do is, is important. What advice would you give? Well, there are a lot of books, so you can start from there. I mean, I wrote a couple of books in Italian, so if you read Italian, uh, you can read my books, but I mean, I don't want to sell you my books. There are a lot of great books out there both in Italian and in English, both from, you know, Italian uh, writers and also American writers. So you can start from there. Try to understand if that's what you really want to do. Uh, yep. Because right now it's also, let's say, it's a bit of a hype. So everyone in Italy is talking about growth hacking. So most of the time, especially young people, they, uh, you know, just fall in love with the keyword, with the buzzword, but you actually don't want to, you know, go into it and, and do that uh, as your job, your daily job. So, or if you don't want to read books, there are like free tutorials and, and you know, and videos and blog posts and ebooks on, on online. So you can start from there. And after that, if you say, if you realize that you actually love it, you love the approach, the mindset, working with data, you know, the analytical mind, uh, the idea of iterating, the idea of, you know, working with experiments and you really want to know more. Uh, I mean, there are online courses. I have an academy. There are also offline academy, uh, both in London and Amsterdam. They are two great cities where you can go study growth hacking, you know, in a serious way. That's why I lived in, in Amsterdam for a while. Probably one of the best, uh, you know, academy in Europe for, for growth hacking. So uh, it's not something that you can study at the university, not at the moment. I will say it's something where you have to try to balance, you know, studying a lot and also actually trying stuff, you know, working with your own hands on your own project or, you know, a startup or, you know, with a friends or, you know, a side project or something like that. Yeah, it's about developing competencies just instead of just knowledge at the end of the yes, day. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay, so we go now with a five question. You just need to give me one answer, okay? It must be like the very first one that come up in your mind. Okay, okay, I'll try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so fish, meat or veggie? Fish. Wine, beer or water? Beer. It was interesting to see also your face. People cannot see your face, but you were deep in thought about this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was, I mean, I really love both uh, wine and beer. And I was thinking, oh, with fish, you know, a great white wine would be perfect. But I, I prefer <laughs> beer. I actually prefer to drink beer. I mean, if I have to choose, I, I choose beer. Okay, that's super. <laughs> Beach, mountain, or city with rich history? Beach. Dinner with friends, cozy evening on your own, or dinner with family? Uh, dinner with friends. Now, be more serious. Are you a doer or are you a dreamer? Uh, I can't be both, I suppose. <laughs> so I would say a doer. Okay. Are you a risk taker or risk avoider? Taker, absolutely. Taker. Are you a tough conversation initiator or, a, or are you a peacemaker? Initiator. <laughs> right? All the time. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> Eyes on the present or focused toward the future? Focused toward the future. Biggest strength? Curiosity. Biggest vulnerability? I think too much about the future. <laughs> it's related <laughs> to the other one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the one word representing you? Patience. And now with the closing question, what is the one recommendation, so only one, that you give to yourself of 10 years ago? I would say to Raffaele from 10 years ago, Oh, yeah. man, take it easy. You just need time. Don't worry. It's going to work out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you just need time. 
Okay, great. What is the big worry that you had but never came true? Wow, uh, that's a pretty tough one. I don't know if I have one like this. Well, can I skip one? <laughs> skip it? Okay, that's interesting. So you will come back to me as we Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> what is your best hope for the future? Well, yeah. in this situation we are living right now, uh, well, <laughs> I would say that solution about this whole, you know, COVID uh, situation with all the, right. you know, the lockdowns and, and everything that it's going on right now, I hope for something better in the next months. That's my biggest hope right now. And what the best hope for your future instead? For my future? I hope to always being curious and never stop learning. Okay, that's super. Thanks a lot for being here, Raffaele. It was a pleasure. Uh, we're going to share just the link of the academy that Raffaele mentioned on, on the chat and also the book. Thank you for inviting me. It was great. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>